welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood, and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Good morning. This is Tom Russell, Senior Editor of Case Goods and Global Sourcing at Furniture Today. I am filling in for Bill McLaughlin, our editor-in-chief, who normally handles these podcasts. And we have a special guest this morning with us, Randy Spack, who is um, Vice President of Sales and Merchandising at Urban Roads, um, basically on the upholstery side of the company, which is an exciting new division for them. Welcome to our podcast, On the Record, Randy. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. Now, Randy, you've had a very long and successful career on the upholstery side of the industry. Um, Longtime president and CEO at Lane Furniture, uh, former president at American Furniture Manufacturing, president at Cozia and other companies as well. Um, Tell us a little bit about your latest role in the industry, again, on the upholstery side of the business and kind of how that came about. Okay, great. Well, after uh, I left American last year, uh, as having been through so many trials in Asia (laughs) on the supply side between tariffs and other things, strategically, I was trying to look to Mexico as as a great alternative because they have so much potential. And I happened to have a a good friend, Tom Halas, who's owner of a co-owner of Urban Roads, which sources everything out of Mexico. So I contacted him. And uh, after a short time, we decided we're going to launch an upholstery company based in Mexico, which is specializing on the U.S. market, which is a huge opportunity. since Urban Rose had the case goods division that the upholstery would kind of complete the product assortment. Yes, indeed, indeed. And, and you know, Mexico, we're, we're on the subject of Mexico. We actually uh, got to see you folks, you and Tom, down there with uh, the team at the factory where you're, where you're um, having products sourced and, and pr- produced. Yes. Um, and... Really, one of the reasons that we uh, are are covering Mexico right now, because it is sort of an alternative to not only China, but other places in Asia. It's a, it's a lot closer to home. And you're, you're based down in, uh, in Atlanta, is it? Yes. So you can, I mean, for, for customers on the East Coast or, or just suppliers on the East Coast that want to go down to Mexico, Sounds like there's a huge um, accessibility there. Yes, it's actually really the whole country. It's amazing that the flight from Atlanta to Mexico City is only three hours. And uh, the, the travel is so easy uh, back and forth. Uh, sure beats the 14 hours and 12 hour <laughs> time change going to 
Asia and there's only a one it's it's on US central time the whole country so it's it's really kind of a uh, easy process of traveling and communicating yes indeed and the the factory where you source from um is kind of just sort of south not too much far south of mexico city down in the uh the pueblo region if we can talk about that right it's about an hour and a half drive from mexico city and uh, uh pueblo is a great area there's a lot of furniture made there and mm-hmm. they have a lot of automotive assembly so there's a plenty of, of quality labor available and uh, the case goods started there about five years ago mm-hmm. and uh, they've grown to quite a huge successful company so upholstery was a natural add-on uh, since the company focuses on the top 25 retailers as their customer base yes indeed it's a real natural fit when we got to see the factory down there um you know we saw a lot of their uh both myself and our video team and we'll have some video of um of the factory and we can say who they are because it's mentioned in the in the story sure uh, nero lupo right um which is which actually i learned was the translate was was the Italian for black wolf? I thought it was the Spanish for black wolf, but it is in fact the Italian for black wolf. And um, so they they have had a very long history. I think over twenty twenty five years on the wood side, serving the U.S. market. I think back in kind of the nineties, from what I recall, and then right at, at some point they kind of focused on the domestic market and then came back to the U.S. market. But their wood capabilities really seem to be extremely proficient. Um, We know they've got some other big customers that have had successful groups with them on the retail side. We won't name any of those folks here on the podcast. Right. Yes. (laughs) The the solid wood story is seems like it's second to none. Yes, the factory has done an amazing job because every piece is basically hand built and hand finished, unlike the laminates that, you know, come out of Asia. So it's it's like, quote, a real piece of furniture. And and so what we're going to do is and and Nero Lupo has been in the upholstery business in the past. And, And as you mentioned, they have a long history. But when the Urban Roads case goods business got so good, they focused primarily on that and stopped making upholstery for inside the Mexico market. But they do have an aptitude for it, and they still have a lot of supervision and product development people that deal with upholstery. And also the fact that they make around 4,000 dining chairs a week uh, yeah. puts them kind of, you know, they have upholstery in their blood. Indeed. Yes, sir. So our strategy has been to take the successful case goods, finishes and looks and take the wood trim element and add it to upholstery. Uh, It's it's kind of a no brainer in that you have the occasional and the accents with the finishes and now the upholstery with a touch of that finish. Not too much, but to, to, in effect, create collections and, and, you know, the, there's kind of a void in the market for, quote, collections. It used to be more of a high-end thing with Case Goods Company. Mm-hmm. But in the popular mid-price where we're going to be, 
really no one's doing it in any kind of major way. So it, we think there's a void in the marketplace that we want to explore. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's very, very interesting. Um, you know, upholstery out of Mexico, I think, it, while it's it's been done before, obviously, we just alluded to, I don't think people perhaps necessarily associate Mexico with upholstery because a lot of the upholstery, I think, that's been produced up to this point, from what I understand, has been for the domestic uh, Mexico market. Yes, um, so this indeed is an opportunity um, for U.S. customers, uh, you know, suppliers, retailers that want to explore Mexico. Um, you know, there's there's certainly plenty of room for growth. And, you know, one of the things that we learned when we were down there is that, you know, Mexico kind of when it began shipping a lot of product to the u.s sort of in the early maybe early to mid 90s late 90s it was a lifestyle story with rustic you know rusticos and and, yes. and the like and um and i think certainly from what we've seen of nero lupo and some others they have that kind of in their blood so to speak um you know that that lifestyle look one of the first lifestyle looks out in the marketplace for the u.s market but but what we saw at Nero Lupo was also sort of an evolution. I mean, while there's, you could still see the, so the traces of that rustic, they've evolved their forms, their styles to seemingly what's popular in the market right now, transitional contemporary forms. And it sounds like some of that will tie into your, your looks in, a, in upholstery, wood, wood exposed upholstery for frames and so forth. Yes, it's, our, our looks are going to be more contemporary, mid century looking without being rustic. But the, mm -hmm. the finishes are hand rubbed, so it gives you kind of a warm feeling. And, and the other thing we're going to do on the upholstery side is. Um, is do value added features that U.S. upholstery manufacturers do not like to do because of labor costs. Mm -hmm. And those elements would be tufting, nail head, and wood trim. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you in my prior lives at running companies, whenever I mentioned those elements, the manufacturing guys would, would like put their hands in the air and go, no, 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 it's a production killer. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have such a good workforce in Mexico and the labor's very reasonable. Uh, we can give value added and actually create a margin opportunity for the retailer because the pieces are, they look like they're worth a lot more than what the price is going to be. Yeah. So that's really where the value added is. And while it's at a certain price point, um, it, it reflects kind of a, a higher um, quality look. And yes. Yeah, which again ties in with the occasional furniture. Customers will kind of be able to shop both parts of the line, occasional and the upholstery, without having to put a lot of thought into, because you folks are doing that for them down in Mexico. Yes, the case goods merchandisers have done such a great job at creating a look that's unique. I'm just going to kind of ride their coattails with the upholstery. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we have a really exciting opportunity. 
Yes, indeed. Indeed. Can you tell us a little bit about how many, um, I know um, our, our upholstery uh, senior editor on, on the upholstery side, Powell Slaughter, has written about this, but can you tell us a little bit about what the initial launch um, is going to kind of look like in terms of the number of frames and um, the fabric selection? Because this is going to be all stationary, obviously. Is it going to be fabric initially and then leather, or can you share that a little bit with that with us? Sure. <clears throat> so at a Nero Lupo, we're going to uh, introduce eight styles, all in fabric, that have wood trim uh, to correlate with the occasional, and we'll also have you know love seats, chairs, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, phase two, probably a year from now, we'll look at doing some leather match uh, on a couple styles that are appropriate for it. Yes. However, we've also been very busy over the last six months, and we Urban Roads also has two other factories in Guadalajara area mm-hmm. that are going to produce finished goods for us. Oh, and they're and they're all and each factory specializes in uh, product categories that don't conflict with the Nero Lupo wood trim. Mm-hmm. So we have one producer there that's going to make more midstream uh, product, uh, you know, a little more commercial looks at great values. And then we have a, a, the third factory makes very high styled, modern chrome leg, ratchet headrests, uh, great fabrics. And they, and they'll also be part of our assortment. So, at the at the April well what I thought was going to be the April market and hopefully the June market yes yeah <laughs> we'll we will have around 27 upholster groups offered mm-hmm. and which is a massive introduction and uh, mm. another added feature will be we have some of our fabrics are uh, from Mexico uh, from a Mexican mill oh, okay. so uh, you know, the obviously the advantage out of Mexico is short lead times, lower inventory, and less obsolescence. And so we're going to use a combination of Mexican fabrics and China fabrics. Uh, but if somebody wanted a 100% Mexico product, we will have that available. And hopefully without, once the virus issues go away, without any disruption mm-hmm. in, in a short lead time. Well, that was something, wasn't it? Nothing like getting the inside story from the experts. Speaking of experts, nobody knows more about comfort, quality, and value than Klausner, the leading solutions provider to the home furnishings industry, and where you'll find my latest furniture collection, City Limits. Now let's get back to more industry news from Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Now, you mentioned these other manufacturers in the Guadalajara area. Can you identify any of these? I don't want to put you on the spot, certainly, but is there any that you can identify that you're working with in that area? Uh, sure. Uh, one is name is Marby, mm-hmm. and the other one is Boal. Boal, interesting. And I was, I was particularly curious about them because when I went to Guadalajara, show for the first time in February of 2019, so about a year, a little over a year ago, one of the first booths I start, stopped that was Boal. And, and I was surprised to learn that they weren't doing, at, 
at that time they weren't doing a lot of business in the u.s market but their looks i thought were highly uh appropriate for the u.s market yes you are very astute they make a fantastic product and his design is is great mm-hmm. interesting yeah so it'll be a totally different look than what comes out of um out of Nero Lupo, certainly, and, and I'm, I'm guessing the other factory that you're working with in, in Guadalajara as well. Yes, Tom, it's, they're three unique looks, totally different. Each one can stand on their own, and um, that's why we're going to have so many products, because we have, you know, six to eight to ten groups from each one of them. Mm-hmm. One thing you just mentioned, too, was lead times, um, and I'd like you to maybe talk a little bit about that as it relates to Mexico, um, I mean, I think everyone has kind of an idea that you're not dealing with that kind of three to four weeks on the water from Asia. But tell us a little bit how these lead times can work to the advantage of retailers. Sure. So our, our lead times obviously is always linked back to capacity, but our plan is to offer three-week lead time mm-hmm. on, all, on all orders. And there's only it's less than one week transit time because it's over the road by truck. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully from order entry till receipt of goods will be four weeks. Okay. Which is a huge advantage since it's a North American uh, source. I see. Yeah. And um, I'm just curious, does the, with the, the Puebla goods again, being about an hour a little over an hour south of um, hour and a half south of Mexico city by, by car. Does that get fed up in through up through um, Laredo or how, how is that shipped relative to the Guadalajara product you'll be getting? Yeah. All, all points will ship through Laredo because that is, that's the largest customs clearance for the U S market. Yes. So really, it's again, again, that proximity, um, everything will be shipped, obviously, on on truckloads, um, mixed truckloads, I'm guessing. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, again, again, the uh, the the speed to market is what is, um, I think, one of the exciting stories here about Mexico. It sure is. And, and the opportunity is gigantic. And, you know, it's funny because I don't think they quite realize how important they are. <laughs> <laughs> you are so right. It is. You, 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 I'm, I'm glad you had time to spend there because you could you could tell when you speak to them, they're very enthusiastic. Yeah. And and they're sitting on a quote, a gold mine. It seems like it, but I think they need, I think they also need partners like yourselves, you and Tom at Urban Roads to kind of help them tell their story because, um, you know, obviously they, they're very good at English with English speaking skills, but on the marketing side, perhaps um, they could be a little more aggressive, I think, in telling their story. But again, I think that's where you folks and others come in. Yes, yes. And, and, I, and I know you got that vibe when you were there. Yes, their their uh, their language skills are great and communication. And now we just need a bunch of orders, and we can quote <laughs> prove it, prove it to them. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, um, and have you gotten any feedback, um, you know, from any of your customers? Um, I know you showed us both me and Pal some of the 
the photos of some of the upholstery lines shown with the occasional with that, that nice matching wood finish story and trim. Um, have you shown any of this to retail? And if so, have you gotten any feedback yet? Yes, we have. We've shown it to several retailers. In fact, we've had two retailers come to Mexico and view it in person, and they are very uh, enthusiastic. And we were supposed to uh, meet them as a final, uh, you know, wrapping the process up at pre-market. But when that was canceled, uh, we're just going to have to wait till the travel bans are lifted. And then, uh, but we did we did get a very positive response from two major retailers. So that was that was a good acid test, so mm-hmm. to speak. Well, I was going to ask who you kind of see as the primary audience for this line as it relates to how the line is priced. Um, we didn't talk about specific price points yet, but if you'd like to kind of address kind of both um, aspects of that, the, the price and who the audience might be. For sure. This. So <clears throat> the sofas are going to, and depending on the, 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 which one of our three sources we use, but we'll take Nero Lupo, for example. Yes. The sofa prices will be, retail will be four ninety nine to six ninety nine, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Boa will be a little bit more and Marvy a little bit less. Yeah. Uh, and the target audience is the same account structure that Urban Rose currently has, which are the top 25. Okay. The ones that really move the needle. So, you know, we we hope that the, the existing customers will give us a shot and uh, we would be very happy with that. Indeed. So it, from what I hear you saying, uh, Randy, is this kind of a, a good, better, best story then out of Mexico that you're positioning? Yes, it is. Interesting. So you, so, so you sound like you have diverse opportunities in each of these top, these top 25 accounts to reach a, a pretty broad segment, whether they're baby boomers or, or millennials, folks buying their first homes, perhaps. Right. And, and we try to make the styling, uh, even though they're a little different, mainstream so that it's not a niche product. Mm-hmm. Because usually niche products don't have a whole lot of volume associated with it. Mm-hmm. And we're out to do a steady volume on a you know, down the middle kind of look. Yes. Interesting. Um, and, and do you see any kind of new avenues of business? For, I mean, obviously there'll be new avenues of business for urban roads because it's a whole new category, but um, do you see opportunity to kind of grow beyond the top 25 accounts? Or are you going to kind of stay focused on that kind of for right now and getting them serviced properly? Uh, we're going to stay there for now. Uh, we're very sensitive to the keeping our lead times low and also making sure that the QC is very good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I can see for the first year to 18 months, we're just going to stay the course, mm-hmm. get it all launched and flowing, and then we'll we'll assess the situation at that time. Well, it's interesting that we've come to this point in the discussion. There's obviously been a... Um interesting and unprecedented turn of events um, in the past few weeks, perhaps not seen since World War II in the industry. Um, 
And, you know, it's funny because somebody was kind of lamenting to me the other day about the, the good old days of the financial crisis when at least we were getting business <laughs> going through the doors. Uh, right. And, you know, folks now trying to operate in this sort of zero revenue business model right now, particularly these retailers that are closed. Um, we know a lot of the, the focus and interest for retailers will be kind of inline goods once they kind of reopen. How can they get that as quickly as possible? So what are the prospects for a new new category and line like this that you're presenting during this kind of difficult period? Are there different approaches to marketing or pitching it that, I mean, you know, we obviously are hoping <laughs> – that, that doors will be open for a spring market. Right. Or I mean, the June market rather, but um, we're not sure at this point. Yes. So it's almost like we have, we'll have to plan, prepare for plan B. Is, is there a plan B or C for you guys? That is a great question. Uh, so we're, we're like everyone else on hold right now, but we have our, our, uh, Samples are in our showroom in High Point, and we actually are in the process of building a second set of all sample mm -hmm. so that we can ship directly to retailers' warehouses mm. for review. And that way, they don't have to travel. We're going to send it to them. Oh, okay. and and, uh, and through our relationships with many of these retailers, uh, we're hoping that they'll give us a shot. Uh, in a, with our experience and background and once they see the values and and know that they can get it in four weeks um you know that's so our plan b is to ship product to the uh retailers warehouses i see i see so that helps yeah give them some uh inventory um sort of an in law a, a a position to be able to get this out on their floors or ship it as quickly as they can to customers that like what they see on the floors yes yes you know we've had this situation here where business has, has almost come to a halt in, in many many areas what do you see as the demand for new product i mean this is an industry it's all built around new product just but not just at the two high point markets but two additional vegas markets it's like product introductions four times a year in some cases i mean is there a, a demand for new product right now in this situation that we're in? You know, that's a million dollar question, I guess. I, I think this is going to change the industry uh, for several years. Mm. And obviously the introductions are going to slow. I just hope that the, the consumer demand is there when the recovery begins uh, you know, after 9-11, business was really good for a year because people were cocooning yeah. and everybody stayed at home and looked at their furniture and said, we got to replace it. Yeah. So may maybe a silver lining is the same thing's going to happen where, you know, people are tired of looking what they have because they're in their house all the time. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking, you know, people are certainly spending more time at home. You know, kids are, are uh, spending a lot of time at, at home right now from school, doing their classwork at school, needing different things. We just moved a, a desk that was in our bedroom that was suited for my, suitable, writing desk suitable for my son's room into his bedroom. And now we're like, 
what are we going to put in place of that space that we we just vacated? So I think <laughs> right. people are going to. I think it sounds like people are going to take a look around with this cocooning. I think people like the aspect of being at home, working at home, being with their their families a little bit more. So that that does seem like a prime opportunity for the industry. I think it is, and I've noticed in the last month. Every time I go past a Lowe's or Home Depot, the the parking lots are full. So <laughs> wow! So do it yourself. I guess the social distancing's uh, out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not but, just not just the Costco parking lots that may be full at this point. It's the 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 home improvements, and uh, hopefully we see that with furniture down the road here uh, as we as we come out of this uh, slowly but surely. Um, Right. And I wanted to wanted to kind of end the conversation. Um, you know, I've over the years, I've only talked to you just a, a few brief times in the past um, and uh, wanted to just get to know you a little bit more and, and have our audience also get to, to know you a little bit more. For those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your interests what do you what do you like to do in your spare time do you have any hobbies or things that you'd like to share with the industry about um the, the randy spat kind of outside the furniture industry <laughs> uh, that's a great question i i only have a few interests since i work so much but uh <laughs> i spend a lot of time with my family is very important to me we're fortunate that my children two children and my four grandchildren all live in atlanta Okay. So we are very involved in their lives, um, and that takes up a majority of my time. And then I'd like to play golf. So between work and family and golf, that's about it. Excellent, excellent. So it sounds like you got plenty of plenty of stuff to keep you busy between uh, between all of those areas. Yes. Well, again, um, Randy, this is uh, really good to see you in this. Um, next chapter of your uh industry experience and and um you know participation we're we're interested and eager to hear more about um this urban roads upholstery line and and i'm, I'm also eager to see more of the wood line going forward because um it's sort of a new company for me to cover as well sure so again um thank you so much for being our guest on this segment of On the Record. And we look forward to hearing more about this upholstery line and other aspects of urban roads as it develops. But also thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on Mexico. I think uh, this is a timely discussion and we're, we're eager to uh, hear how Mexico uh, increases its shipments to the market. Thank you, Tom. I really enjoyed getting to know you and I look forward to uh staying in contact with you in the future all right very good okay best of luck moving forward okay thanks tom okay thank you bye